welcome to the brand new Mission Critical podcast. My name is Darren, and I'm here to help introduce my dad's podcast, both now and randomly in the future, too. We are presenting the first ever episode of this podcast as part of the premiere series, Five Reasons for Going Nowhere. The name of this episode is The Futility of the Dabbler. And it was recorded on June 29, 2021. In this recording, my dad critically discusses ways to be proactive and encourage sustainable change on our culture today. I hope that you enjoy it. The Futility of the Dabbler want to start out by uh, sharing an assumption that I have. I assume that at some level you care. You care about what goes on in the world. You care about what you're doing with your life and you care about the issues in your community. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So if you care, then let's look at this dabbler problem. We are struggling with in the world one of the reasons that we're holding back from actually creating sustainable fundamental change is because many of us are dabblers. We're dabbling at mission rather than aiming for breakthrough. And I suspect you to some degree are a part of that dabbling culture. And I find myself as well sort of dropping or falling back into a dabbling mindset. So what, what matters to you? What is on your heart? What do you really care about in this world? Are you dabbling at it? Or are you intentionally, strategically engaging as a change agent in that area? Let's just look at a few areas that that maybe touch on what you are passionate about. There's hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of different causes that God puts on our hearts. Uh, Let's take orphanages, for example. Are we just playing a game by helping orphanages function Or are we looking at actually what is really going on? What is behind the need for orphanages? And are we dealing with it at the root cause? Do we look at poverty and simply say, you know what? People need money because money is at the root of poverty. When in actual fact, poverty is really a mentality primarily. And it often leads to a lack of education and other things that are going on. Refugees is a huge issue in the world today. Millions and millions of refugees, more than there's ever existed in the world before. We have something like in the 30 million some refugees, displaced people around the world. These are the people that are most vulnerable because often they have no home. They have no state that claims them, no state that provides a safe place for them. Are we simply going to help a refugee with a specific need or are we going to look at the whole issue and say, how do we fundamentally change our attitude in the world toward the dignity of people? Are we going to look at the gospel and say, we simply need to tell more people about what the gospel is, or do we need to live the gospel in a way that automatically and naturally communicates the love of Jesus to other people? You see, I I think we've fallen into this, this mentality of simply coping, simply maintaining, tweaking what we already do, Uh, incrementalism, improving things just slightly, staying busy, and maybe just relieving our guilt. 
I think our churches, our mission organizations, our humanitarian networks, uh, our community campaigns tend to really lower the bar and just look at things in a very uh, mediocre, vanilla way. We need to get out of that. Life is too short just to be going about maintaining things that we're doing that are really not leading us to breakthrough. So I just want to share uh, four little stories, little anecdotes that, that add a little bit of insight, perhaps, into what's going on. Something that maybe we can relate to, you can relate to. First one I call the canola dump, and this goes back to my teenage years when I was driving a, a grain truck for a, a farmer in Alberta where I grew up my teenage years. Uh, so we had a crop there called canola. It was very runny, sort of fine kind of grain. And combine, the harvester would circle the field, and uh, I and the truck would wait for it to come around. So when the combine was full, it would uh, pull up beside me, or I would pull up beside it, and then the farmer would uh, start dumping the grain into the truck. Only one day as we were doing that and we were moving along, the farmer looked over at the combine and said, Hey, Mark, he said this on the radio, uh, it's not filling up. So uh, I stopped the truck and I got out and went to the back. And sure enough, the little gate about 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters that you, that you close in the back of the truck, it was open. And so all this canola that was going in the top was running out the back. That day we lost hundreds of dollars worth of canola in about five minutes. It reminds me of, I think, what we're doing today. We're busy doing something that we think is good. We think we're harvesting, but we're not preserving. We're not containing it. We're not maintaining it. And so we're really doing things, I don't know, in faith maybe, assuming that it's adding up to something, but it's really not. Many of us who are I think caught in that problem, don't know it. We have good intentions. We're spending our money, our time, and our knowledge on something we think is doing good, but it's not. Next uh, little anecdote that that helps me also understand this better is what I call the jumping cat uh, syndrome. So imagine a cat who uh, usually they can't jump more than about five feet up. So you're holding uh, a rat above the cat, maybe at seven feet. And the cat looks at the mouse or the rat and says, there's my dinner. So it jumps, but it can only jump five feet. And you're holding this rat at seven feet. As the cat jumps, it keeps thinking, I want that. And it keeps jumping. But the more it jumps, the tireder it gets. And so it's probably going to jump lower and lower. We're guilty of that. We see a goal, but we don't count the cost. So we keep trying, but we never reach that point. We never get any better at it, but we keep trying. And no one's asking the critical question, are we actually accomplishing or getting any closer to accomplishing what we want? Let's move on to the next story. I call this the truck in the mud. And this is also something happened in my teenage years. I volunteered for a mission in Columbia, South America, and we built a retaining wall there beside a river in the jungle. So one day I was looking at this river and I saw a big old dump truck backed into the river, down to its axles in the mud. And several guys were uh, lifting sand, throwing sand into the dump truck with shovels. 
Now, that was fascinating itself to watch. Incredible amount of work to load a truck that way. But after a few hours, the truck was loaded with wet sand. Okay, Now, that's the part of the story that was real. From now on, I'm imagining that sometimes trucks like that will get stuck. So imagine the truck is stuck in the mud down to its axles. And the driver says to his helper, go out and push because I'm not getting out. So the driver go, or the, the assistant goes out and pushes. Now, this is five tons of wet sand deep in the mud. That, that helper pushing isn't going to register at all. There's not even a wiggle. So he calls three or four people from the bank. They come over, no wiggle. They get up to 10 people, still nothing. They give one last uh, try. They find three more people. Now they have 13, and they're all pushing, and they feel a bit of a wiggle, okay? A little bit of hope there. This thing might actually happen. Only then, instead of getting more people and working toward the breakthrough, the first three people who are helping, who have been there the longest, say, you know, guys, we've been working at this, and we're really tired. So we're going to go and rest on the bank of the river while the rest of you 10 keep pushing. Now, can you see the fallacy with that? Can you see the problem? If 13 were barely wiggling it, why would 10 now do any better? But that's what happens in many of our efforts. We throw something. We throw money. We throw an effort. We spend a year at something. We go to Africa or we volunteer with some kind of a a program to to reach drug-addicted kids in our community. And then we say, you know, we've, we've done our part. And so we go back home or we stop our effort. And then somebody else comes along and has to start from zero again. They have to start all over again because we haven't preserved all of that energy. The truck is still stuck in the same plot, the same place. And so we repeat over and over again this futility of dabbling at something without understanding what I call the critical mass, or you might call it the tipping point. What is the breakthrough point For that truck getting out of the mud, is it five people? Is it 10 people? Is it 15? Is it 20? Do we even ask that question? What is it going to take to get that truck out of the mud? We need to find that tipping point, find that number, and work, coordinate, amass, or coalesce our efforts into one place so that in a coordinated way, we can put our energy to work to reach that breakthrough point. When we look at the problems in our community, in Africa, across the world, in our own nations, we all know what the problems are. But is anyone taking the time to understand the size of the problem and then design and coordinate a solution that matches the size of the problem? Very few people are doing that. They're just throwing little bits at the problem, hoping that somebody else is actually going to do something with it and make it add up to a breakthrough. Only in most cases, that's not happening. Okay, we're going to come back to that point in a minute, but let's move on to one last sort of anecdote. And this is one that I'm not going to tell you. They're not my words, but they're the words of Jesus in Luke 14. Let me read it for you. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. Imagine Jesus saying, don't start to be my disciple. I mean, who would be discouraging anyone from following Jesus? But actually, Jesus himself does. 
And he says, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Let me interject here. I think the world is laughing at us because we are busy people trying to do good but no idea where we're trying to go with it. Let me continue reading. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. So let's apply that to today's context. Why would we try to tackle a problem without enough resources and simply throw resources that are ending up wasted? Those 10 people pushing on that truck pushed hard. They worked hard. Their energy went into the truck, but there was no result. That energy did not get sort of saved up for some future time. That energy was spent until somebody could come along and say, I see the problem. I see what that tipping point is. So let's stop, think, organize, and gather what we need because we now better understand the problem. So understanding the problem that you are facing or understanding the problem that you are giving your money to is very important. Now, here's what's scary. It's not just us as individuals, you or I, who from time to time, or maybe most of the time, are dabblers, just playing this little game, possibly because it relieves our guilt, possibly because um, it, it's, it just makes us feel good. I don't know, but we, have all of, <laughs> we all have our own reasons for doing it. But the dabbling doesn't add up to anything. The bigger problem is that the professional organizations, the mission agencies, the churches, the humanitarian networks that we think are the professionals taking our money, taking our time, taking our volunteer hours and putting it to work. These people, sadly, are also dabblers. They don't really know the answer to the question, what is that critical mass? What is that total of energy that's going to need to not only create the breakthrough, but to maintain the territory that we gain. Okay? So there's a problem. It's almost like a culture of dabbling that we have. And I think it's time that we stopped. We need to stop and think through this. There's three things that very briefly that I I think we could all do. There's very simple things I've already alluded to, but let me say them quickly again. You need to know your end game. Is there an end end game? Is there an exit strategy? At what time do we feel that we've reached a point where we can maintain a gain and hold that gain? You as a donor, you as a leader, you as a volunteer need to be able to answer that question. Second is count the cost. What is the cost of going to battle against this issue in your community or in the nation that God has called you to? And third, invest strategically. So, There's partly the question of what is the total cost, 
what is the total amount of effort that will be needed. But then how do I contribute? I can't do it all by myself. That's clear. But what do I contribute in a way that, that is part of the grand strategy of leading to that breakthrough? You see, we've we become lazy in so many ways. We've become lazy in our thinking. We've become lazy in, in understanding the true nature of the problem. So we go to the garden, we pick the, weed, the top off the weeds, but we don't do the hard work of digging down to get the, at the root of the problem. So the weeds keep coming back. And that is simply bad stewardship. That's bad use of our money, our time, and our knowledge. Let me just end today with uh, some questions that I think we could all ask ourselves, whether you're the leader of an organization or a church, or you're running your business as a business that uh, is, is committed to, to kingdom purposes. Uh, here's some questions that I, I will suggest that are helpful to you. Question number one, if we continue to do what we are doing now with little change, what are the chances that we achieve a major breakthrough in the next five years? Okay? If we keep doing what we're doing now, are we going to see any change over the next five years? Sadly, I think you will answer, you know what? Probably not. Probably we're just maintaining ground. We're not actually getting anywhere. Second question. Don't ask, how much can we do? Instead, ask, what's it going to take? Okay? If you just ask, how much can we do? You're looking only at yourself. You're not looking at it from a kingdom perspective. Because within the kingdom is everything. God is rich. God, God has given the church worldwide everything we need to accomplish every breakthrough he wants us to do. He wants us to pursue. So the question isn't just how much can we do or I do. It's what's it going to take? And then that can lead you to the coordinating, to the leadership to the understanding of how much work we're going to need to do to bring together the effort to achieve that. And yes, your part is one piece of it. So there, every one of us have a limited part that we can contribute. But we need to be asking the broader question of what's it going to take. Third question is, how can I invest in the ligaments that connect the parts that create this critical mass? It's exciting to invest in the front people, in, in, the, in the people that are leading the charge, in the faces of the children that light up when you feed them. That's exciting. But for the most part, that doesn't ultimately create the lasting change that we really want to see, that we really care about. That just does some good that makes you, the child for the moment feel good, and it makes you feel good because you've done something and you've seen it a quick result. You gain immediate gratification. But if we really care, let's say, about the children, and if we really care about all the children, we're going to step back from only supporting the individuals and the immediate need, and we're going to look at the big picture. Okay? So that means the ligaments. That means the things that help us coordinate how we all work together. Okay? The next question you can have here, you can ask, and this is one that you, you not only ask yourself, but you ask the people that you're working with. 
You, are, you ask the places that you're contributing to. And it's a, it's a question we asked earlier a few minutes ago. What is the end game? Don't just blindly go in and say, here's my $100. You do something good with it. Don't be lazy. Ask, what's the end game? And the last question here, am I engaged only so that it relieves guilt? Or do I really want to see a solution? And if I do really want to see a solution, then what cost am I willing to pay for it? Are you a bystander just watching the game? Or are you in the game? If you go back to the words of Jesus, he's basically saying, you got to decide if you want to be in the game or if you're just a spectator. If you're just a spectator, don't bother coming. If you want to be in the game, join me and together we're going to go out and change the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mission Critical. If you enjoyed it, please send in your comments. From time to time, we'll have an episode dedicated to addressing our listeners. Please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And remember, life is short. Live with purpose.